How we doing guys? It's Matty Boy here with the one and only Keris Marsden and we are Fit of Food, ain't we? Yep. Yes. <laughs> Fit of Food Radio guys, episode number 59. Guys, massive apologies. It's been so long since we've done uh, our last podcast. So, I mean, I think it's episode 59. It's been that long that I've actually lost track. It's about a month. I think it's been longer. Keris, we've been terrible. Oops. Terrible. But, guys, um, we are back, getting back in the groove, but we've been absent with good reason. We've been finishing book two. Hey! <laughs> Exciting times, guys. It's been long overdue. We've been saying we're going to do a second book for a long, long while, um, but it's taken us a lot longer than we imagined. We, we thought we were being organised this time round and we were like oh we've learned so much from the first one you know the second time round it'd be so much easier smoother ride well do you know what I've, I've just got to make a point here the reason it changed in terms of the book itself is because originally we said let's just do a book that's recipes only so it's a cookbook um that could be our second book but when we started to put it together we've changed a lot of our approach and I really wanted to explain why we've changed our approach on yeah. certain things, why we're not sort of, oh, don't eat this, you know, you know, as perhaps people were, would be led to believe from our first book. And I thought that was really important to say that we've evolved our approach as more science has come out, as we've worked with more people, you know, we've taken into account other factors when it comes to nutrition. The front section, which was just going to be a bit about that, just turned into basically it, seven chapters. It, it was fine. <laughs> Six it was... chapters. <laughs> It was like writer's carnage. <laughs> it was. just went crazy. Because then I was trying to explain, well, why did why is it good for some people to eliminate certain foods? Why not? So then I had to talk about elimination diets and autoimmunity and dairy and beans and hummus and a lot of posts that we were seeing in our groups and on our Facebook page about, oh, can we have hummus again? I thought, well... I know, everyone's yeah. like, oh, <laughs> food have had hummus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So no, when you true. lay it all out, it's a lot of information to, to start, you know, like almost filling in the gaps that people might have. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, I think it is important that we do explain ourselves rather than just kind of putting statements out there. But like you say, like, we, you know, bear in mind the first book now was written, I mean, it's coming up to three years ago now. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. You know, so three years and, and, you know, that's a hell of a long time and a lot has happened in that time. Like, we've evolved massively, but it's like... <laughs> not, uh, not, not literally, not like... That's yeah, we, I, I, I haven't got four arms <laughs> now, you know. <laughs> um, and knowledge what, has evolved, that's what yeah, you would say. Yeah. Or People a... knew what I meant. <laughs> you just got to be, you know, <laughs> take it so literally. You maybe lose my train of thought now. Oh, no, that's what I was going to say. Eric Crazy, strength coach in America, awesome guy. Um, if you're into lifting, I highly recommend you check him out. Uh, but he actually says, like, if you don't look back at what you were doing five years ago and facepalm then you know you're in the wrong business because you're obviously still stuck in the same old routine and it's so true isn't it it's true and we actually had the opportunity to see chris cresser speak and he said the same thing and said if you don't speak openly about the fact that you change your position on something then you're not a good practitioner and you're not a genuine um you know i was going to say authority on health but i don't like that term really health professional as you know, basically, as the science changes, as more research is done, and also just off the back of experience. And what was cool about the book is I've been speaking to um, Dr. Tommy Wood about doing our own little nutrient density index of which foods are the most nutritious that we should all be eating. There's loads of existing um, nutrient density charts and, and lists out there, but they're all a little bit influenced by either a bit too plant based because they were developed by more sort of vegetarian focused people or they might be designed to sell a product for example so they're just talking loads about coconut oil and yeah well hey they sell coconut oil um i was talking to him about doing our own chart and when i was coming up with it i was thinking there are some really nutrient dense foods out there that people 
probably just aren't going to eat. So when I was thinking of like per weight, for example, anchovies are a really good one, but very few people will eat them. So they yeah. didn't go on the chart. Well, to be fair, the only <laughs> time I eat anchovies is when I cook out anchovy slow roast lamb. Yeah, I I've like been... them. I don't think they're that bad, but some people can't bear them. Most can people. They? Most people can't bear them, <laughs> yeah. And I, and I chose green peas over legumes because I think people are more likely to eat their green peas. In the UK, probably that is more. Peas are like a staple vegetable. You say, Le- green, <laughs> you say green peas. Green peas, yeah. Are they are blue peas? <laughs> Yellow peas? <laughs> no, but they're snow peas, sugar snap peas. Oh, right, it's just a version of pea. Yeah. <laughs> Chick pea. <Yeah. laughs> just when you were saying green pea, I was a bit like... I don't know why I was saying green pea, but... Anyway. So, yeah. So, some of it was informed by some of the information that we put out there is also... So, for example, in eliminating foods... Very few people are going to 100% eliminate, you know, gluten, dairy, legumes and lead that sort of very strict paleo diet that was the original paleo diet that came out. Yeah, yeah. You know, the original one was really low fat as well. But um, and as it's evolved, it's getting almost more ridiculed if you if you try and be quite serious about it, because one, it, it doesn't the science doesn't really necessarily support that. Mm-hmm. And secondly, then you miss out some, on some amazing stuff in life because you're basically just doing, you know, your elimination diet for no other reason than it's paleo. But also as well, like we spoke about, we spoke about this on some of our presentations in that, you know, it's great using the paleo diet, the paleo approach as a foundation, but, you know, to kind of go a little bit too crazy with it and, you know, become a little bit orthorexic maybe with your approach is just going to, you know, it's going to cause you problems. And when studies were done on people that followed the paleo diet for fighting, you know, like diabetes and things like that. Most people got fantastic results, but all of near enough, all of them said they couldn't see themselves sustaining it. Yeah, because it was just too strict. It's too restrictive. Whereas, if maybe they'd been given some lifestyle information as well, on yeah. top of the nutrition side, and then you know wanted a couple of freer meals a week, or even gone beyond paleo slightly and had a few more of the foods that you know we don't think necessarily looking like talking to Tommy, looking at science, talking to Emma, are, are going to necessarily cause problems you know if they've been told to sleep more to do some weight training to do some daily walks then possibly they would have been able to sustain the results and have, it's never just one thing and just occasionally have a pasty i don't know why not <laughs> so there you go why not? it's been a long time since i've had a pasty you've planted a seed now <laughs> it doesn't take much to be fair <laughs> especially now it's like the colder months a nice hot pasty beautiful can um, i make another point as well what's been really interesting is writing the book gets stressful towards the end when we have to get to the deadline and we, we the printer's there and he's like when's the book coming to get it ready for christmas and that all gets really stressful and it's been really interesting because at the academy, I'm going to talk about. <laughs> we, we basically follow none of our own principles. <laughs> no, we don't. We've been dosed up with caffeine. Yeah, we do. On hardly any sleep. And it's funny because the proofreader was even emailing me at 11 o'clock at night saying, oh, the irony that we're all talking about getting to bed at a decent hour. I know. Like insulin sensitivity, we're all emailing at 11 o'clock at night. Very stressed. Bag of M&M's in one hand. No, but I was about to say what's so funny. <laughs> Coffee in the other. I have watched how you cope with this situation and how I cope with this situation. And I, I think, like, I sort of go into a mode that's like, I don't know, um, I probably would, I drink more coffee and eat less because I'm more like, get this done, get that done. I'm like relentless that this has to be done before I go to bed tonight. And I, I eat more you, and you drink just more turn coffee. Into, you turn into Bridget Jones. I'll just keep coming home and finding you like... Eating. <laughs> eating. <laughs> what are you doing, Matt? Your, your first response. And the reason I'm talking about this is at the Academy, I'm going to talk about disordered eating and how we use it to escape situations. 
Did you know? And we both disordered in how we respond. To I've always, I've always been that way though. I've always been a a, um, a comfort eater. Yeah, you for are. sure. Like since, as as... Since, since I was a kid, um, you know, you just kind of seek. Is that because comfort... someone gave you food every time? Like, well, I just think I've from? always loved food. So therefore, if I was feeling a bit down, really? I'd be a bit like, <laughs> really? "Well, I'll just have some food because I know that I love food. <laughs> it's a it's a safe bet yeah. that the next ten minutes of my life are going to be particularly enjoyable because I'm eating." But you're funny because whenever like a problem hits the two of us, and we're like, "Oh my god, what are we going to do about this?" So I can't think of an example at this point in time. But every I look at you, and, and you're not even next to me anymore. You've just got the fridge open, and you're just looking in the fridge. And I'm like, "Matt, Matt, back back to the desk. Like, what are we going to do about this?" I'm getting glucose to my brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. So I can plan a, you know, a, a secure, solid strategy. But what's weird is the way that I find it, or the way that when I go in those sorts of situations, eating becomes an inconvenience to me because mm. I'm just like full on, and I really want to get our um, adrenaline takes over. Load. I want to get some more like genetic testing done on both of us, and I'm, I reckon we're the complete opposite genetically in terms of how we metabolise stress hormones and dopamine because we get we're so different in stressful situations. Yeah. And also, I'd say on a on a more general level, you sometimes really you sweat the small stuff. Wouldn't you agree more than me? I, <laughs> I, I would say you do. Like, <laughs> I totally disagree. But I mean, I agree that I probably don't sweat the stuff that should be a big deal. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite, that's what I mean. I'm quite laid back. Yeah, it. that's what I mean. Like massive, big problems that are in the background. And again, I can't remember. You know, we've talked about warrior, warrior, and I know there's different like genetic snips that influence how you deal with stress on an ongoing basis. Uh, versus sort of waves of stress coming in and this is what I'm going to research more for the academy so I can actually (laughs) make some valid points about it uh, based on studies but just this whole situation right in the book has made me look at us too and go and say we are so different in how we respond you're you're you cope with ongoing stress way better than I do no I've got that the wrong way around what do you mean ongoing stress you're an ongoing stress (laughs) keep on (laughs) keep on (laughs) anyway I can't remember the point I was going to make there, but little things stress you out and you flip really quickly um, at things that I don't think should be... Can't get the lid off the coffee! Uh, yeah, basically. <laughs> like, I hear you go, for God's sake! And then I come in the kitchen and you'll go, just drop my fork on the floor or something. Like, it's ridiculous. Well, slight exaggeration, <laughs> but I get... see the point you're getting at. But do you not think that's a state no, we of get, mind we, thing? We get, um, we get the bill through for printing the book, which was, like, just humongous. I look at you and go, guess what the bill is? And you're just like... <laughs> and that was it and I'm like what we it's need just to, like, like it is what it is calorie into calorie anyway right what we're we talking about I've waffled there is relevance to that I'm going to look up uh, yeah, what, was, what was your point I'm going to look up catecholamine metabolism that's your stress hormone metabolism and I really want to get the two of us tested and I bet you were total opposites and that's what I'm going to talk about and how you could manage that a little bit more lifestyle and mm-hmm. uh, nutritional choices maybe I'm sure the B vitamins will come in there somewhere well you bit because this kind of um because I was having a conversation, uh, or should I say, I posted a video in our Fit365 Facebook group the other day about kind of, you know, not letting things get on top of you, but also not over-analyzing situation. Um, and sleep and stress kind of came up. And my, my point was, is that as as much as we do need to get good quality sleep as often as we can, and also not stress too often, you know, there are going to be situations where, we're not going to get as much sleep as we would like. The quality of our sleep will be affected. Our stress levels may go up for whatever reason, be it um, something at work, something with the family, bad news, whatever it may be. There are going to be times in life where your stress and your sleep is probably a little bit somewhat out of your hands. You know, uh, 
a new child, like a baby, you know, you know, new parents, etc. Yeah. It's always going to be quite disruptive in that sense. But what I was trying to get people to do was that, you know, we can easily overanalyze these things and just think, oh, I'm not getting enough sleep. Oh, I'm really, really stressed and, and whatever, uh, to the point where we kind of plant that seed of like, you know, I've not had, a, I didn't have much sleep last night or the night before. I feel like crap. I've got no energy. Uh, and then it kind of spirals out of control. Yeah. Whereas if you can kind of just stop for a minute and say, well, you know what? Here's the reason why I'm not sleeping. Here's the reason why I'm stressed. You know, and in our position, in our situation, it's, well, the reason is we've got a really tight deadline on the book. Um, the book's ended up being twice as big as we planned it to be because it was initially going to be a recipe book. So therefore, our workload is a lot higher than we we were expecting. We are self-publishing. So, you know, a lot of the responsibility lies with us and we are working late. We're not sleeping as much as we should. We're drinking more caffeine than we normally do. And we are more stressed than we normally are. So therefore, it's kind of affected our quality of life. It's for a good cause. It's not forever. We know it's for a book which we love. We're hugely passionate about and so much work has gone into it. And it's only a matter of time before it'll be completely done at the printers and we can reduce caffeine consumption, sleep a little bit more and, and kind of get back to normal. Do you know and, what, that's when I'll have this massive probably <laughs> really struggle because I've got no no I'm being like missing the the dopamine hit basically of having this massive purpose to walk your body's like where's the adrenaline gone yeah basically I know I I'll, can't probably function. Get, I'll get a cold I'll get ill you name it but, but does that make sense yeah you know it's like just kind of stop for a moment and, and, and kind of understand why you're probably feeling that way and why you know you're, you're kind of not in full control as you normally are and just think well hey you know what it's all good because it's for a good cause and soon enough I'll be back on it well, that's quite a good link, really, to the first point that we're going to discuss on the podcast today, which is the great fat and carb debate. Yeah. Um, and the reason being, this is all I'm seeing over Facebook and various nutrition debates right now. And actually, when we came to write the front section where I wanted to give some guidance on it, I got really stressed about the whole thing because it's such a very, it's very subjective and everyone's got their opinion. But for me, there's way too much focus on this aspect of nutrition, which is not something that in the past we ever focused on Mm -hmm. you know I don't ever remember my gran telling me whether she was on a high carb low carb diet you know like you know 30 years ago she just talked to me about the need to learn how to cook and same for my mom I don't think mom was a bit more low fat because that's like the 80s generation that was just coming in but now it's all anyone talks about when we talk about nutrition it's like no one's talking about what we're eating it's just your macro ratio and it really frustrates me because I see all these fights going on on Facebook and, and like you, I get wound up about it because I don't think it's achieving anything other than massively confusing people. Well, and when we went to Dubai and talked a little bit about carbohydrates, it's like they were sourcing their nutrition knowledge off TOWIE or something because they were like, no carbs after six. Oh, yeah, it, was, it was like, very old wow, school, like, it? Yeah, and I just think, God, and then that's sort of the thing that OK Magazine celebrities talk about, you know, like, uh, I saw that this week in a, in, a, in a celebrity magazine and someone said, you should never eat your carbs after six, and it's like, it just drives me mad. But I think what I would like to say, just, and I know we're going to talk about the subject generally, but it's, it's just, if you've got your sleep, stress, um, you're cooking all your own food, you're training in order then you might want to get to that point of of playing around. Everyone does have a macronutrient ratio they need to play around with. And I think if you've got significant amounts of weight to lose, you know, then then carbohydrate reduction is a great place to start. Um, But you can't even talk about that now. It's just opening this whole can of worms online where people are saying, you've just got like your low carb camp versus your your, your low, well, I was going to say low fat camp, but high fat camp. But that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, I posted up about fats, uh, a week or so ago on my personal Facebook page and in Fitter Food. 
and the whole point of the post was if you are kind of deciding to go for a low carb high fat diet you know do bear in mind that that does not mean you can then eat as much fat and protein as you want which is how a lot of people plug it you know oh you're not eating carbs you can eat as much protein and fat as you want it's fine but that's not the case at all and my point was that you know at nine calories per gram you can easily clock up a lot of calories from fats and if you are sitting in a consistent calorie surplus you will gain weight you know it's a very very simple mathematical equation of you know more calories in less out consistently equals weight gain whether that's but the one thing i'd say about that is uh, the the, some arguments were put forward to you saying that because you're not ever elevating insulin which is your your storage hormone, then you're not going to gain no, well, you, weight. You, insulin goes up whether you're eating fats or carbs. It just doesn't go up as much. What I was going to say is... That's, that's what's irritating me with some of the arguments, whether it doesn't raise insulin. It's like, well, eating anything will raise insulin. I just think, like, but, but why, we, why people are talking in this manner is detracting from the main... When the health industry gets like this arguing about these finer points, I think you're you're doing a disservice almost because you're not actually educating people and helping them to be healthy because a high-fat diet, 100% high-fat diet and never elevating insulin is not necessarily the solution, if you see what I mean. So oh, yeah, of what, what I was going to say was there's, there's some people, you know, like there is a role for carbohydrates within our nutrition. So just to reiterate in case people are just like, no, no, it's low-carb, it's low-carb, well... Cressa talked about this when we saw him and it was about feeding your gut bacteria which play a role in body composition Mm -hmm. and carbohydrates are basically prebiotics to gut bacteria Um, and he was almost advising against doing low FODMAP diets anymore Mm -hmm. because he said you need those those prebiotics especially long term yeah long term like you do it like for short periods of time whatever to get get rid of some bloating and do maybe antimicrobials but he was saying you've got to bring them back in and, and sort of ride almost like ride out the IBS symptoms a little bit like small small steps and everything to get those gut bacteria in but they're also you know you need the glucose for the immune system and you know other people's work like Jamino talks about the importance of carbohydrates and and for me it, I just feel like sometimes the more extreme we try and go with anything the less healthy you're really being but more so because for me I mean I think it just gives a lot of people that are already pretty damn stressed out and already got a lot on their mind just another thing to think about you know, what's the best macro breakdown? Yeah. How many calories should I be consuming? You know, X, da, 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 da. Well, now you've also got the, the gene testing, which has come in and showing that some people wouldn't do that great on a, a high-fat diet anyway, either. So I think you're better off going for almost a bit of moderation initially and then tweaking. And and again, we've had some long chats with, with Dr. Tommy about how to portray this in the book, and we've pretty much said... Just start off with moderation, like a couple of servings of carbs a day, but mostly high fat, mm-hmm. and then tweak it from there. You might want a carb cycle, you might want to bump carbs up, you might want to just have carbs post-workout, carbs, he even mentioned some studies saying carbs at breakfast were quite good for um, diabetics, but there's also some saying carbs at night. So the real, real, um, I would say the main thing people should do is just start with the simplest macronutrient split and then just tweak. Mm. But maybe not even, you know, I, I've had clients who I would say are clinically obese and I've given them carbohydrates just one serving a day and they've lost weight. So, yeah. you know, th- this argument and that's because a lot of the time in the background, I've been getting them to go to bed earlier, getting them to walk a lot more. So I'm improving mm-hmm. their insulin health so they're able to metabolize carbs better, which is what you should be doing. Not just saying it's a low carb diet. 
so I can sit around all day and, and eat as much fat as I like and not gain weight. That's just like ridiculous and no one's going to sustain that, I don't but, think. But also as well, like, I mean, I, I don't like it when bits of advice get thrown around like you can eat as much as you want. Yeah. Like, I, I don't care whether you are doing low-carb, high-fat, bloody no-carb, no-fat, just protein, yeah. whatever. To say you can eat as much as you want is, is quite simply a load of rubbish. And it's, uh, it's one of my bugbears, I think, a little bit with flexible dieting in that people have already got very disordered relationships with food. So these ideas of, like, blowouts and binges almost... Not, not being encouraged, but but there's a lot of that, you know... It can be interpreted in that way. So I wouldn't say they're encouraging it, yeah. but it can, people interpret it. I was going to say that's the key, isn't it? Yeah. Because, I mean, I had a big issue with the whole if it fits your macros thing, purely because all I could see it being marketed as was can eat ice cream, eat, eat donuts, yeah. eat, you know, frosted frosties and, and, and get shredded. Yeah. Never once did I hear someone say, well, actually, you can't eat that all the time you can't eat as much as you want they do that to kind of like it was it's a big marketing ploy for them actually when you get into it it all comes down to if it fits your macros so you can have frosties you can have a bowl of ice cream you can have some pizza so long as it fits your macros yeah you know what i mean and, and i'm and, sure the clause is but 80 percent of the time you're eating clean cleanish food yeah well that's why we got mike sanders yeah. on the show because he's a uh, pretty much like the if it fits your macros king here in the uk and it was good to kind of get his insight into it and he he 100% said it is essentially like an 80 20 rule like we follow it's just a bit more calculated so when you do have your treats it's not a blowout it's not uh, a huge binge to where you go over your calorie requirements by 500 to a thousand you know it keeps you within your range and for some people that's perfect because it means they can have that little treat they can um, curb that sweet tooth they can go on a night out have a couple of beers or wine whatever it may be but it does mean they need to be a little bit more calculated with it. So you need to have the patience, you need to have the time, you need, you might be someone who's quite into numbers and spreadsheets or whatever it may be. Me, personally, I haven't got a headspace for it. I tried it, but I'm like, no. Yeah. I know what's what, I know what I like, and I, you know, touch wood, uh, body composition's in the right place. But I think if you have an educated approach, it's fine, but that comes down to everything for me, and which is what I always say to people, like, don't just guess at things. Don't just do low-carb, high-fat because somebody said so and then stick it out for months and months and months with no results and say, but because so-and-so said so, I need to stick to this. But then also, and just to say, I remember when we were running group classes and we talked about sort of paleo nutrition and stuff, some people went straight in and just ate loads of meat and not a lot else and said, low-carb doesn't work for me, it makes me constipated, my mood's really low and my hair fell out. And I was like, well, <laughs> that was never the version of low-carb yeah. that I'd ever advocate anyway. But also, just because that didn't work for you, don't write off all carbohydrate limitations. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think, like, don't, don't just dive in, try something and go, it doesn't work and do, do the opposite or give up altogether, which is what that person yeah. did. So they just were like, sod it, I'm going back to, like, sugary cereals and all sorts of crap. But so here's, here's something to throw into the mix. I was just going to say, one one thing i wanted to um just go through was when um in terms of macronutrients this is just from my personal perspective i would say um throughout my 20s i was very much like a low fat person i believed in in low fat diets as most women did um <clears throat> i won't say how long ago that was because i'll give my age away <laughs> one thing i always was aware of was i found it quite hard to control my appetite because 
One, because a lot of carbohydrate foods are, are tasty. So I lived on cereal a lot and bread and oat cakes and, and bloody Nutri-Grain bars and stuff like that. And it was always really hard. I never felt full. Mm-hmm. And I always felt like in an office, I, w- I ate more than everybody else because I would eat like three meals and two or three snacks. But I just never felt full. And I did exercise a lot, so I sort of thought... But you were training like an absolute nutter. No, no, not this time. This is, this is before I met you, I'd say. So not that you made me train like a nutter, but this before I got really into being a personal trainer and stuff. I train like four times a week for about an hour, but I always thought I never felt satiated. Now then things evolved and we did come across paleo nutrition and then I went really high fat and it was ridiculous how how little food I could almost eat because I was eating very high fat, high calorie foods and, and how full I got really easily and didn't think about food and I could go like six, seven hours. But then I did experience adverse symptoms, which is training was quite hard for me sometimes I would say dizziness waking in the night and then I got this really bad nausea which I wrote a blog about how I knew I was too low carb is I just got this chronic nausea in the morning and it would go as soon as I started to introduce basically I started with fruit and some potatoes because I thought maybe it's the carb thing like some research um and what I've gained from that whole experience is I need carbs and I need fats (laughs) Mm. so it's just for me about working out the right amounts uh, I have more carbs on my more active days and I have more fats on my less active days. I tend to have more fats early in the morning because I, I just like to feel satiated in the morning when I've got a lot of work to do. Yeah. Um, and then at night when I'm more relaxed and it's my meal with you, I'll have more carbs. It doesn't matter if I feel a bit sleepy or eat a bit more because I'm chilling out. It's the evening. <laughs> well, it isn't now because we're writing a book, but normally. And I've heard other trainers talk about that and say they get more success saying to people, make have your carbs at night not just because of the whole it helps with serotonin production sleep lowering cortisol but because it's the meal that we all enjoy with our families and partners and so if you can have the carbs in there yeah it tends to be a bit more i don't know a bit more of a you know of a, of a well, it's, it's probably your, the the only meal of the day to where you haven't got to worry about going to work afterwards you haven't got to worry about rushing your meal because you've got to run exactly. into a meeting yeah you know it's the meal where you can say do you know what my day is done. Yeah. I can chill out with this meal afterwards. I can play with the kids or I can have a relaxing bath. Uh, I bet there's some people listening to this going, no, no, but also, you have no yeah, idea. Yeah, no, yeah, probably. <laughs> but no scientific study is going to replicate that environment. Oh, so no, when no. you're looking at, like, uh, we've talked about this before, looking at, oh, does the science support carbs at night or carbs at breakfast? The answer lies with you, essentially, and your routine and how what you trial so say for a month if you do carbs at night and feel awesome on it then then it's carbs at night and for me that's definitely a way that I've been I've I've really refined my nutrition and I think if I train in the morning sometimes I have carbs at breakfast that's that's about as complicated as I want to get with it I can't even contemplate carb cycling and macro counting much further than that at the moment on top of what I have to do on a daily basis I really can't like you say I mean it depends on it depends massively on the individual. Yeah. Some people, if I was training harder, I think I might get more into it maybe. As yeah, well. exactly. Yeah. You know, but, but some people are into numbers and yeah. all those little details. Some people love all of that stuff. They yeah. thrive on things like that. I mean, I used to have clients that everything went into spreadsheets. <laughs> everything. You know, <laughs> they, love they, lo- they loved a bit of Excel. They were all over it. But, um, but what I was going to say earlier regarding carbs is, for me... I started massively increasing my carbs because I changed the style of training I was doing. I kind of went from more strength training-based program to a generally much more high-intensity-based workout with some strength work, some hypertrophy, some circuits. Um, I was getting loads of HIIT training in there as well. 
um, and you know my, my workout uh, intensity was so much higher and naturally off the back of that my body would crave carbohydrates so I gave it carbs I wanted carbs <laughs> I gave it carbs damn it yeah um, but especially in my post-workout window so I was what was, carbs were you having Oh, so, you know, normally, you know, like, I'd, I'd definitely get some, like, a banana in with my immediate post-workout shake. You know, I might have some banana, but I was actually starting to add, like, a little bit of honey to my post-workout shake as well, like I used to back in the day when I used to have my protein shake and then a banana and honey sandwich on white bread post-workout. My God, that was so good. Um, I wouldn't do that now, obviously. It'd be minus the white bread. But then what I would do, so I was increasing my carbs immediately post-workout. And then I'd make sure my first meal when I got home, because I normally train in the morning, my breakfast would be maybe some plantain um, with some chicken or some chicken with some rice, you know, white rice, etc. You know, much, much higher carb than, than I usually would. Um, and then I'd have a lot more carbs with my evening meal. And what I noticed was that I had <laughs> so much more energy. Oh, you'd say it's rude then. <laughs> what? Nothing. Like what? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought you were going to bring back the, the morning glory point that you like to make. Oh, the morning glory. Well, we won't, well, go, I we won't go into that. <laughs> I was a, waking up in a marquee. That's, that's another podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you got your fit girls talk. I'm going to start my own fit man talks. <laughs> Just be me yeah. talking about myself. <laughs> See how long that lasts. Um, but what I did notice is that my recovery was insane. And all of a sudden I was actually training more than I normally would. Normally, you know, four sessions a week is maximum for me. I found myself training five, six, seven times a week, but not because I felt I had to, not because I felt fat, not because I was a bit like, oh, I had a treat last night, I need to go to the gym. Um, I never felt an obligation to. I genuinely, genuinely felt awesome. I felt full of beans, ready to go, and I wanted to train. I was like, I feel great, why shouldn't I train? And it wouldn't necessarily be as long a workout, but I might just go and smash 20 minutes of intervals and some ab work. But that is something I wouldn't normally have done. I just would have had a rest day. But I was listening to my body. But because of that, even overall, I was probably consuming more calories than I was before because of the extra carbohydrates post-workout and the greater appetite throughout the day because of the, the training intensity. Of course, my training frequency went up, my training intensity went up. So therefore, I was probably in a greater calorie deficit overall so and i actually started losing a little bit of body fat even though that wasn't the intention and i knew i was losing because you mentioned it <laughs> and you never make comments like that and i actually did feel leaner don't want you getting big-headed but that was due to you know you know hello i was eating more carbs yeah. surely i shouldn't have lost body fat but i did it worked for me but i think it as a whole i was training more training harder etc etc yeah so that's why I'm always like to just throw it out there and say low carb, high fat is the way to go is, is a very, very narrow minded way to approach diet. And I actually saw something on Facebook the other day from a pretty well known um, coach in the industry. I won't say who that just basically put up low, low carb equals fat loss, high carb equals fat gain. And it was that simple. Okay. And I just thought, come uh, on. Actually, with the... Um you know, the information that's coming through on gene testing, I'm actually seeing a lot of uh, what, what I would call more reputable... Uh, is it reputable? I've lost... I can't talk very well at the moment. I've got such bad adrenal fatigue. Um, but I'd say um, health professionals talking about 
you know, bringing back a bit of a low-fat diet for fat loss because there are some people genetically who would do better on that. And I, I completely agree with that. I've seen it in our groups mm-hmm. where we've gone, actually, do you know what? Take, take fats down, take carbs up, but just make sure you hit your protein goal. And that's, again, what we've emphasized in the book is, is just hit the protein goal. And when we talked to Tommy about it, he said he agreed and said the main thing is get them to hit their protein goal. Yeah. Because after that, there's also, we haven't mentioned this, there's an element of preference in there as well, where I definitely started to find um, doing a high-fat diet that I enjoy the fatty foods because I enjoy the satiation maybe. I don't know what it is. But yeah. I, I also love avocado. I love salmon. I love sardines. I love high-fat foods. Um, so for me, and, and you sort of end up going off. I don't know whether I was ever really on rice cakes and special K and stuff, whether I used to eat it because it was like a low fat food, but you, you don't want those foods. So there's that element, like plain boiled rice and boiled potatoes do very little for me. Like I would rather have, you know, like a really nice salad with olive oil, nuts and avocados and stuff. So I've, I've got more of a taste for high fat foods. So again, in, ter- in determining macros, I'd probably rather have slightly higher fat than I used to and, and lower carb. Yeah, but then equally, you don't train like you used to. No, no, precisely. Don't train a lot at all at the moment. <laughs> I do a lot. That was a, that was a subtle hint. <laughs> I, I type a lot. Does that, does that count? <laughs> One day I type for about 10 but, hours. But, but do, you, do you not think, like, you know, the power of listening to your body in that sense? I mean, there is a fine line because I do genuinely think that when you... Because yeah, I'm like that. Sometimes I just crave fats. Yeah. I just want fats or I might be like, oh... I really want red meat. Yeah. But then sometimes equally I'm like, I really fancy fish tonight. Yeah. And that's not a tasting. I think that's almost your body kind of saying... I crave have, turkey have, a lot. Have a lean fish tonight, Matt. <laughs> You've had a lot of fat <laughs> yeah, today. Yeah. Have a nice lean Just fish. Just back. Just give me a bit of a break, all right? I was thinking but, yesterday, I crave turkey a lot. And I think that might be tryptophan I'm after. See serotonin precursor. Leucine. So it's like, no. I want some leucine. No, it's not. It's Leucine. <laughs> it's making me feel better. I'm like, I've got so much work to do. Eat turkey, feel better. Is that why you think traditionally people have turkey at Christmas? Because it's just to reduce the risk of family arguments. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's it. Get everyone calm. Get, get some tryptophan down. <laughs> the in-laws are coming. They'll be all right. <laughs> the tryptophan and some red wine. <laughs> Everybody's happy. Then everyone's asleep. <laughs> Um, but again, it goes with carbs, doesn't it? Because when you were training like an absolute lunatic, you ate a lot of carbs. Do you know what my biggest uh, error? I think that I think about that a lot. Like, because a lot of people used to comment, not in a bad way, but how curvy I was for somebody who did that much exercise. Do you remember that? You, well, you what, even said what's it. wrong with being curvy? But I think people said, thought that for someone who trains a couple of hours a day, that you should be leaner. And don't get me wrong, I was overtraining as as one. Um, but I, I think like I've always slept eight hours. I always made that a priority, even before I knew anything about sleep. I just knew I needed a lot of it. Um, I'd say stress levels were lower because I had a full time job, and you know it was quite easy for me to do. So in that sense, I could devote a lot of time to training. My biggest mistake in that time, and loads of trainers tried to tell me, was I didn't eat enough protein. Because I loved my carbs, so mm. it was it was porridge for breakfast. I used to eat, as I said to you, like oat cakes were my snack. I was a bit fat phobic, so I'd have a little bit of peanut butter, but that was about it. Um, I think it was like I'd eat quinoa and sushi and stuff like that. It was I, I was quite like I just didn't. I don't think I ever hit my protein goal at that time. That's, not not for what you were doing, I'm sure. Yeah, not that like I don't know that I would look that different. I think I'm I'm just a bit curvy, but generally that I, lots of people said to me um, just made those comments. You should you should look a bit leaner. They didn't say it like that, but <laughs> I should just slap them all. To be fair, I should just said what gives you the right to say that. Really, I'm very day. Yeah, but I didn't. No, but I, I disagree. I mean, I've you know obviously known you for quite some time now, and even before we were together, and you were trained like a lunatic. I never once thought 
she's, she's a bit podgy for the amount of trading that she does. Like, no, never once. And I think that even though you Someone were... Someone once said I had a cake top. That's how I know, but that, I think that's someone we, we still talk about that now. Yeah. <laughs> he Is meant it? he meant muffin top, but he said cake top. So it's like, it's like at least get the insult right. No, mate. but I think <laughs> in his defence, like I did, and actually I did, I did biosignature with Charles Poliquin. So if any of you know, he's a strength coach in the industry, and when you go on his course, you have to strip down pretty much to just a pair of shorts and a crop top, and the men are all topless. So as a personal trainer, it's and I didn't like. I didn't, I'd not really read the course properly, so I didn't know that we were going to be the people measuring each other. So I you know, rocked up and they said strip off, and I was mortified. You're around other trainers, and um, a couple of women that were with me said, oh my goodness, when you go to do to get skin caliper each other, so you're basically measuring body fat. And one woman was measuring me, and she said she was measuring my umbilical, which is around your belly button, and she said, oh, there's hardly anything here. And from nowhere, Charles Poliquin arrived <laughs> and grabbed a massive handful of back fat and went... <laughs> that's because it's all here and that was like that comment just stuck with me for about five years <laughs> is it about five years i don't know okay. i think you probably still think about it now. probably yeah probably but then he was like he said to me it's your insulin health you need to watch um because basically and it was my at that time we, i had launched a company with you i was overtraining, only just stumbled across the paleo and protein <laughs> so i genuinely think i was like really messing with my insulin sensitivity levels yeah i don't know that i look that different now but but that said i think this is where it all goes a little bit crazy for me people start going a little bit mad of like oh i've got a little bit of fat on my triceps it's this oh i've got fat on my quad it's this it's just, that's my biggest well the, the, i mean to be fair the science behind it is it's not it's not anywhere it's, near what they reckon it is but but that i left that course with 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 fat in places I didn't even know you could have fat and I was told by them you're fat here here and here and I was like what and I spent I would say I spent months trying to figure out I had some other health issues I was trying to resolve but the same with clients I'd be trying to figure out like why won't the tricep lean out why won't the why won't the calf lean out and it was a yeah. bit like geez it, it, I, th- this... I think it gives a really a really negative focus it does a little, yeah it does a little bit and, and I think that this is where the game needs to change a little bit for me and I think we're starting to see a bit of a change especially with a lot of the the, the guys that are on our Fit365 because we're trying to get them to focus much more on getting stronger, seeing some really solid progressions in their training, energy, mood, bloating, etc. And you, know, you get all of those things in place, there's a bloody good chance that your body composition is going to go down. Um, so, and it's a much more positive focus to have. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I think for, uh, like for me, I wasted a lot of time thinking about all of that. And when I got more into studying nutrition and helping people with autoimmune conditions and, you know, other things, digestive disorders, and just got a greater sense of what health was and, you know, and also actually the the people that work on, um, that came to me for for weight loss and talk about weight loss, it becomes really hard to get results because there's elements of depression, disordered eating, comfort eating that are all being factored in. Um, And I'd probably say like a lot of people that, come to me really need to work with actually someone like Sarah Doyle for example on uh, body confidence and or a, a counsellor or an NLP practitioner that, that they find working through some issues that are more sort of emotional based mm-hmm. and insecurities that stem from being you know being a kid and stuff and actually I, I don't know the more work I've done the less I'm like I couldn't really care if I've got fat calves I haven't got fat calves. I've got really muscly calves. But, <laughs> no. but yeah, yeah. The way I've just moved away from all of that stuff. It didn't get me anywhere. It didn't get the people I worked with that far, unless you know they sort of you know really embraced more of the lifestyle stuff anyway. So 
we've sort of gone off track a little bit, but yeah, as we do, as we do, as we do. But no, we but should we should we should finish up because I put some potatoes on before we start. Well, just just quickly because I just want to highlight that it's not just the women that kind of have these. Do men have these as issues? Well? Should we say? I mean, no, well, you got fat triceps. <laughs> well, to be fair, I mean. It's like I put up a post the other day and I put up a topless selfie of myself, which I rarely ever do because it's just not my style. And I just kind of put it up there because I wanted to kind of say that I'm actually at a, a place now where I am content in where I'm at with my physique. And I could rip it apart. I could say, oh, I could be leaner here. My, my left arm's a bit smaller than my right arm because I dislocated my elbow and it's never been as strong. Um, you don't need to justify that to me. No, but, you know, <laughs> no, but this, these are the things that I always used yeah, to say. I, I was constantly looking at negatives in my physique yeah. rather than looking at it and going, do you know what? You've actually got a decent de- decent torso on you there, Matt. You know, like... Jesus, Matt. If I looked like you, I'd, I don't think I'd ever get dressed. I really wouldn't. I'd be a bit worried if you looked like me, love. <laughs> I'd be, uh, I can't say I'd fancy you as, as much as But if someone like now. you feels insecure, then there's no... No, 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 no I'm saying there's no hope for the rest no, of us. No, but I, I'm not saying I feel insecure. <laughs> so like... I'm not saying I feel insecure. I'm saying that you know I've I've I've, I've trained for a long time, two decades to be exact, because I started training when I was ten and took it very very seriously. But you're always constantly looking for the negatives. Yeah. Oh, oh, my arms need to be bigger. Oh, you know, my legs need need work. Oh, yeah. I'm not as strong as th- that guy in the gym, and I thought I was doing really really well. And you start putting yourself down. Whereas actually, I've got a bloody decent physique. I don't look bad in a pair of board shorts. I wouldn't go as far as a pair of speedos. It's just not my thing. I might look good in them. I don't know, but it won't happen. <laughs> yeah. I'm not Italian or French enough for that. That's that's their thing. I'll leave it to them. Um, it's so but, funny when you say things like that because I just think there are so many people out there that would give a right arm to look like you. So many men. Oh, right. No, but they would. But then, like I said, it's just. No, but, but I, ju- but I, I just also think, think it's a, it's a really it's actually in you it's a really endearing factor because. When I first saw you, I thought, God, he'll bloody rate himself and, you know, just be totally into himself and arrogant. And, and you weren't. And it is like, to me, it's, you're a, a very rare find. <laughs> no, but, but back to individuals. No, no. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. I'll, I'll finish my point in a minute. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you can pay me some compliments afterwards. Right. Um, <laughs> and someone posted on Facebook just recently about what men should strive for. And it had like a row of like um, some famous celebrities who have got like decent physiques, not excessively ripped, but in good shape, look athletic, muscular de- definition, but look healthy. And then, but it said, but this is what men strive to look like. And it was all these guys like ridiculously ripped, like three, four percent body fat, um, veins popping out everywhere. Um, you know, and chances are some of these guys are probably taking something to help them out some of them may well be very naturally lean but the whole point of it was is that most people aren't that lean naturally aren't that lean to where they can maintain it all the time and be healthy whereas to look the other way you could look like that pretty much all the time and still be healthy and energized and train you the way you want to train but it's the way things are there should have been another line that said what men should strive for is to be a good boyfriend, husband, father. Yeah, well, that's a given. <laughs> no, but, but, a gentleman. But the point is, is that I think that in magazines, on social media, we're kind of like men and women. We yeah. kind of see this vision of what a f- figure or physique should look like, and that's what we have to aim for. But actually, 
to probably get there is no life anyway. Yeah. You know, the, the, the level of dedication and the hours in the gym, etc., etc. you know, doesn't necessarily mean these guys and girls are actually happy. You know, who knows? They might be miserable. They I might feel the a further, slave to I, it. As I say, I think the further you, down that path you go, the more miserable you become. And I just, I, you know, I've, I, like there's two bodybuilders in our gym who we keep watching most mornings, don't we? And I just think they look, they look pretty positive and into it but I just think I just just do not have the the willpower to do what they do it's the same workout all the time like you said it's the lunges the leg press the high reps then it's the cardio and I'm just like well I just I just like to sometimes move <laughs> like for me like moving is a bit of a luxury when you've got you know like when tight deadlines and stuff and I get to the gym and I'm like even my mobility warm-up gives me endorphins because I'm so pleased to be out doing stuff but also I just want variety, don't I? Mean, yeah, I just want, I want to like do, I love it when you go, let's do this, something really different. Let's just throw in these different intervals. Let's just do, I could do some yoga classes that are different every time. And I just, I just need different stimulus now. I just, I can't do fixed, you know, sort of programs like that of the, the exercises I've been doing for most of my life. But just to kind of finish, that reminds me of, because lately I've been training loads, I've been training hard. And I've been getting really good results. I'm getting stronger, both for my out-and-out strength work, but also my hypertrophy stuff. Weights that I could only do four to six reps on, I can now do 10 to 12 reps on. You know, I'm getting stronger. I'm getting more conditioned. I'm recovering faster. And the funny thing is, I have zero structure to my workouts at the minute. I'm literally going into the gym and doing what I fancy on the day. It might be a full body. It might be a body split between two body parts. It might be just legs. I might do a kettlebell workout. I might do intervals. I just literally go by how I feel. There is zero structure. If anybody looked at my logbook where I write everything down, they'd be like, what, what, what the hell? What are you doing here? Are you, are you doing any periodization? Because yeah, yeah. this is all over the place. But I think it just proves the benefit of consistency. It might not be the most structured, but I'm training consistently. I think the difference here would be you also have a great foundation. So for a beginner, you wouldn't necessarily go, like, just hit the gym and do anything that you want. No, no, but, of course. But you've got that foundation. But I totally agree in that I, when, I, when we worked in the gym, I used to drive some of the trainers crazy because they'd be like, you have no structure to what you do, Carys. I just loved variety. Mm-hmm. So I loved sometimes, like sometimes it was kettlebells. I loved spinning. But that variety I loved, kept you going. Oh, yeah, completely. Like there was never, and, and I never committed to, I have to do this necessarily, yeah. you know, so. yeah. But, no, but I, you are 100% right because I did have got, this chat with a trainer the other day. Sorry, not a trainer, just another guy in the gym who was asking me about the kind of training that I do. And I said that, the thing is, don't 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 get it twisted. Um, <laughs> this isn't how I got to where I am. Yeah, you built the foundation. So yeah, it's very you know that's a really good point. You know, and I think balance on one leg. It just shows you the importance <laughs> of setting that foundation because then you can start to get really really creative and be a bit be a little bit more sporadic, so to speak. Yeah, definitely. Um, cool. We should probably wrap up that's there because the, the potatoes are. I'm going to boil ruined. over. <laughs> ruined. Uh, but guys, yes, we're back in episode 59. A little bit of uh, this, that, and everything on that podcast. But nonetheless, I hope that we've kind of tapped into a few valuable bits of information there, and maybe led you to maybe reassess your training, maybe look at your macros and whether you know the, the current your current eating plans are working for you. Do you need to mix it up a little bit? Um, you know always reminding people to listen to their body and that's the main thing because your body's very clever it will tell you if it's happy or not if you've got a body composition goal and you're not losing body fat 
guess what? Chances are something needs changing. Um, so be sure to listen to your body, guys, and make the changes where needed. Kerry's got a hand up. What are you going to say? Uh, I was just going to say, and uh, we are getting in touch with some great guests to have on, including uh, a really cool osteopath that I came across. Uh, we'll be talking about injuries yeah. and injury rehab. Um, we've also asked Dr. Tommy Wood to help us out with some research on performance supplements like Ooh. free-form amino acids, branched-chain amino acids, um, Sustain, and all the different products that we den- generally recommend. Um, we're going to get him to look at mainly also Quest Bars. <laughs> I was mm. like, Tommy, we've got to talk about Christmas. Anyway, uh, that episode is going to be coming up soon as as soon as he's had a chance to look through the science on all of that. And finally, if you haven't got it already, do get a ticket to the Academy because there is uh, me speaking, <laughs> Matt speaking, uh, Sarah Doyle uh, from the Better Life Project. We've also got uh, Dr. Tommy talking about the paleo diet and beyond, so how to personalise it. And who else have we got? We've got Jocelyn Thompson talking about strength training, uh, and she's the Nike Master Trainer 2015. Amazing. Uh, yeah. So basically, if you haven't and got Emma your, Myhill, and hello. Emma. Oh, sorry, I forgot Emma. Oh, God. I forget Emma. I'm on the front row. Uh, and Emma's she... going to be talking about um, fertility health, which is going to be huge. We've already had so many inquiries. Once people found out that's what she was talking about, people are going crazy. And it is going to be amazing. We've. Um, been over and visited her and little Frankie quite a few times and uh, just watching everything that she's doing is incredible I've learned so much about weaning about even speech development and, and how that's linked to nutrition um, so please 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 grab yourself a ticket if you can it's 21st of November in Greenwich and we're having a lovely meal afterwards aren't we yeah we've got a dinner planned um, it's going to be an awesome day guys I mean this is our third academy now and every time it's just been a great crack you know we've always had an awesome bunch of people turn up lots of valuable information so much to be learned on the day and we just have a good old laugh together as well a good old bit of banter i can't wait because it's like the last thing we're probably going to do this year so as soon as it, i finish that i'll be like yay let's have a holiday <laughs> let's get drunk no we're really... <laughs> i'll be getting drunk on the saturday night people will be carrying me out <laughs> not me <laughs> But guys, that, that's it. We'll see you in uh, episode number 60. Sorry for the kind of random waffling on of, of this podcast, but I suppose we're just so excited and keen to get back into the groove. And uh, we'll see you in episode number 60, guys. Take it easy. Bye.